Hi, Crime Sound listeners. We're your hosts, Ashley and Ricky, and we're here today with another true crime episode that we both put together and hosted just for you in the form of a crime salad. Today's episode is based off of the case of Kelly Ann Bates. We like to credit our sources, which include Murders Bulletproof by Oswin McIntosh, Homicide, a Forensic Psychology Casebook, and supporting facts from independent.ie. Thanks for your support by joining us every Thursday and your love for Crime Salad. This story is about to test your morbid curiosity. One so gruesome, even today, it was unlike anything anyone has ever seen before. A story that takes us to Manchester, England. A sadistic killer who tortured a 17-year-old for weeks And please, bear with us, as I know we're going to have a hard time with this one. Just as an extra warning, if our intro wasn't much of a warning for you, this episode will talk about graphic content that may not be suitable for everyone, especially if you're sensitive to gory details. But if you're like me, at this point, I just want to know what makes this story so horrible. But for those of you that are sensitive to graphic detail, please know that you have been warned. It was 1993, and a young teenage girl, age 14, named Kelly Ann Bates, grew up as a normal kid, living in a loving home surrounded by a supportive family and raised by parents who focused on their kids to grow up with self-love and confidence. She was a tomboy who loved playing hockey. She was a great student in school. She was also a babysitter and worked at a fruit stand on the weekends. Kelly was known to be very kind and a friend to everyone, She was the type of person who would do anything for anyone and was quite mature for her age. She always liked to hang out with people much older than herself, some even being adults. Her parents saw this as just the type of person she was, mature. Now Kelly is 14 years old, so obviously she's very innocent. However, I can say for myself, I was pretty lost at the age of 14, and I was just learning about who I was. You're in between being a kid and a young adult, a teenager, and for me, the word teenager got to my head. I just felt like I was old enough. At age 14, she fell in love with her very first love. She met him while babysitting. He was the friend of the parents that she babysat at, and he offered to walk her home the evening they met. What was so special about him, we really couldn't tell you but we're assuming he used his charm and charisma as bait to grab her attention. At a young age, you start an interest in guys. Around 14, imagine your 14-year-old self. Someone gives you that attention that you saw in a romantic movie, and that's all you know. You think, well, this guy really likes me. Maybe you feel special. It almost distracts you not seeing any bad in that person. Looking into this boyfriend of Kelly Ann's, we came across the only image we ever found. And I see nothing special, very creepy actually. His real name is James Patterson Smith. But at first, he goes by a fake name, Dave. Charisma is a powerful thing, 
But just to be charismatic, I feel like it's hard for some people when anxiety gets in the way. But for people like James, he was a true charmer. James appeared to live an honest life. He was a churchgoer. He was always well-groomed, and his yard was always kept nice, as it was noticed by neighbors. A typical, normal guy where you would often see him cutting the grass once a week, along with a friendly wave. He gave a very normal image of himself that led people to believe he was your average, normal guy. But behind this picture-perfect guy, he was a dark, sadistic monster. I couldn't find a better word to describe him other than monster. And people like James were experts at manipulating their victims, getting them to do anything they want. James had a violent past, although I wish we were able to find more about his childhood, like how he grew up, but what we found covers more about his past relationships. He was married at a time living in Manchester, but their marriage was the start of his violent behavior. Well, from what we know, his wife endured abuse for 10 long years and had enough. And when she had enough, they got a divorce in 1980. Soon after his divorce, he dated a young woman named Tina Watson, who was 20 years old. When she got pregnant with his child, she suffered through intense physical abuse, which started out just small taps on the shoulder every once in a while, then eventually turning into a daily thing, which led to very aggressive behavior. And he would constantly kick and punch her, kicking her between the legs. But before things got any worse, as they were getting worse every day, she managed to escape the relationship after he attempted to drown her while she was bathing. Quickly after this relationship, he started to date a 15-year-old girl who was also the victim of abuse. We don't have much information, but we do know he tried to drown her in the kitchen sink, but she managed to get away. And his urge to hurt women was in all of these relationships. I just wonder what he did to get these girls interested in him. And we searched and searched for this guy to see what he looked like. And after searching to try to find like another picture of this guy, just to see what he looked like, we still just ended up with that same picture. It's almost like a mugshot. He has unkept longer, medium length hair, glasses, and he appears not good looking at all. Actually kind of creepy. Like, was he really that charming to get these women to where he wanted them? It kind of makes me feel like everyone should be more cautious around extremely charming people. And it makes you wonder, what does someone like him want from women if they just abuse them? After this relationship, he came across his next victim, which was the girl we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, Kelly Ann Bates. And we don't have many details as to how they actually met. Like we said before, it's believed that they met sometime while she was babysitting when she was 14 and walked her home. Kelly talked to her parents openly about having this boyfriend and seeing him, what they did together, and other small stories. But her parents just assumed this boyfriend was from school, like a younger boy, maybe in her class, like just a young love fling. They never asked questions, just played it off like it wasn't that big of a deal. Well... It came the day when Kelly Ann brought over this boyfriend to meet with her parents, the boyfriend that she's been talking about this whole time. James walked down the hallway, down the stairs, following behind Kelly Ann. When they first saw who this boyfriend was, it was so hard to believe. Kelly Ann's mom stood in shock 
as the hairs on the back of her neck stood up, and her dad felt the same way. They had to have been thinking, who is this older man dating my daughter? They both saw something completely different from what Kelly saw. He looked much older, creepy, and just, why, why, like, how old is this guy? Her mother's natural instinct kicked in. This just wasn't right. Instantly, she had so much hate towards this grown man coming into their home with their daughter. When asked his age, James told them he was 32 years old. Although this was not easy at all for the parents to handle, it was really only the beginning. Kelly Ann was the type of girl who knew what she wanted. She was someone who you couldn't tell her what to do. She explained to her mom that she hangs out with older people all the time and she's mature. She can totally see herself being with someone much older and her parents never agreed with it. But they still respected their daughter and always wanted her to have confidence and be independent in her decision making. But things took a really sharp turn. A few weeks go by and their relationship continues. One day Kelly came home after work with visible bruises all over her body and another time when she came home, she had a deep bite mark indented in her arm. She would always make up excuses that she fell or that she got in a fight or got scraped, but it was so hard to believe her excuses. Her mom felt powerless and didn't want to completely push her daughter away from her, but it was just a sticky situation where her parents felt like they were just powerless at this point. Even more powerless when after reaching out to the police or child protective services, they were at no help. Being that Kelly Ann was now 16, her parents had no control over who she dated or who she was having sexual relationships with. And as far as the abuse, there was no proof because Kelly Ann never stated it was from James, when we all know it is. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash crime salad. The only way she could help her daughter with authorities is getting her to the doctors willingly. They could at least document the bruising and maybe talk her into getting some help. On another occasion, she came home one day and was packing her belongings. Her mom got up to talk to her and noticed her shoving clothes into a suitcase. She was confused and asked Kelly, what are you doing? When she turns towards her mom, her mom notices the whole side of her face was black from severe bruising. Her mom pointed out that she knew James did this to her and she wanted her to go to the hospital to get some help. But she just denied it, explaining that a gang of girls came and attacked her, 
And why was she packing her stuff in a suitcase? Where was she going? She was packing to move in with James. Man, I mean, that's absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, I know the teenage years are rough. I mean, there's a lot of like rebelling against your parents and, you know, your parents kind of want you to respect the fact that you live under their roof and, you know, kind of respect their rules and obey them. But I don't know. It's just frustrating. I really wonder what Kellyanne actually felt, though. Like, was she completely brainwashed by James? Like, she had all these signs of bruising, you know, she was being abused. Was she just scared to leave him? I don't know. Like, was she happy to move in with this guy? Yeah, I have no idea. But I also have never been in an abusive relationship, so I feel like I can't really even give my opinion about the situation. I just feel so heartbroken. I feel like she needed good support from a friend to help her with this. Like, you don't deserve this. You can't let somebody else control you. I know her mom has to be thinking about this day all the time. And what's even more heartbreaking is when she left her home that day to move in with James, it was the last time her parents ever saw her alive. While living with James, she occasionally would call back at home to check in and then notice that her bubbly, talkative personality turned quiet and reserved. It was dark. It was depressed, brainwashed, and controlled. The only thing physical they were given were three letters that arrived in the mail on separate occasions. One card was for Mother's Day, which happened in March, then following a card for their anniversary, then a birthday card for her dad. But it was obvious these three letters were not written in her handwriting. James was seeking full control. It could see it coming together just as he planned. She was now 17, where the legal system, again, can't do anything without Kelly reaching out for help. And he can manipulate Kelly into making her lie about the abuse and every situation. But it almost seems like he set up a scene to her friends and family that she moved in with James willingly. What exactly was the purpose of these letters if they were written by James? Was it all just an approach for Kelly's parents to believe she was writing them? Or was it some weird, sadistic way of teasing with her parents' emotions? Knowing her daughter was taken from them and they were not able to do anything about it. Did he enjoy the thought of the fear and worry her parents must have felt? When her mom received the third card, not in her handwriting, she instantly thought her daughter was in trouble, that she was tied up or being mistreated. She just knew something was wrong. She immediately wanted to go pick her up, but at the same time, her husband reminded her that they didn't want to push their daughter away. They did want her home, but they also wanted to respect her decision and, and not completely cut them out of her life. So it was now April 16th, 1996. James walked into the police station to report that his girlfriend had drowned accidentally in the bathtub. Police make their way to James's house, and what they see is horrific. Looking closer only showed more tragic signs of severe abuse. She was found lifeless, revealing injuries all over every inch of her body. And within the four weeks of her living with this monster, her body told it all. She was severely beaten as her entire body was covered in dark bruises. Her eyes were gouged out. She had burn marks on her thighs from a hot iron and scolding to her legs from boiling hot water. 
Part of her scalp, along with her hair, was missing due to his attempts to scalp her. There were stab marks all over her body, caused by forks, a spade, knives, scissors, some even showing stab wounds in her mouth and in her eye sockets. Her feet and hands had been crushed. Her knees were smashed in as if they were kicked in so she wouldn't be able to walk. An autopsy gave us a glimpse into the extent of her injuries, and a post-mortem examination revealed over 150 separate injuries to her body, and it was also found that her eyes were gouged out weeks before her death. There really just isn't any words to describe the pain and the suffering that she must have went through. She must have felt every inch of pain during these four weeks as she was being tortured alive. Her cause of death was by drowning after she was hit in the head with a shower head and she fell unconscious before drowning in the water. And the whole thing is just absolutely horrifying. To have your eyes gouged out, kept alive to suffer for weeks after, not able to see what's going to happen to you next. This definitely is the worst case that we've ever covered. And it's one of the worst things I've even ever heard. The details of it are just so disturbing, and it's a crime that I find hard to even take in. They don't even make movies as gruesome, but this happened in real life. Kelly Ann suffered a tremendous amount of pain before her death, and it's sickening to think how she would even manage to be able to keep herself eating and drinking to stay alive. The autopsy also showed that she sometimes had rope around her neck, and her hair was often being tied to things like chairs or a radiator to keep her from moving. The whole thing is just awful. It's such a nightmare. And even though James denied ever murdering Kelly Ann, the amount of evidence that piled up against him is suffocating. As the jury reviewed the results of the autopsy and photos of both the crime scene and her extensive injuries came up, the evidence painted a clear image of the monster James was in the hell that he put poor Kellyanne through. So even with all of the history that he had injuring women in the past, he never officially had a criminal record. So this made it very hard for the police to actually intervene. And in Kellyanne's case, she was over the age of 16, so there wasn't a lot that police could actually do. In the final sentencing, James Smith was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 20 years. It was determined that James was a danger to women, and he would most likely do this again in the future. The evidence shown during the trial was so graphic that the Manchester Crown Court offered all of the jury counseling and all members of the jury accepted these sessions. Peter Openshaw, the prosecutor in Smith's trial, said it was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing her the utmost pain, distress, and degradation. The injuries were not the result of one sudden eruption of violence. They must have been caused over a long period and were so extensive and terrible that the defendant must have deliberately and systematically tortured the girl. Openshaw also said her death must have been a merciful end to her torment. So James is now old enough to make parole, but we had a really hard time finding any updates about him or this case. 
we can assume that he's still serving his sentence and not going to be up for parole anytime soon, and that's a good thing. We can only hope that he never gets out, and he never is able to put anyone else through this type of suffering. So this concludes this week's episode, and as always, you can find pictures of what we came across on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. You're also invited to join us on our Crime Salad discussion group, where you can post links to cases you think are interesting or share anything crime-related and meet other true crime salad investigators just like yourself, and feel free to bring a friend. And if you would like to support Crime Salad, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us now to help new listeners find our show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. All the bloodlust, all the pain.